Amen. So for the past few months, we've been working hard on words, and we've been meeting in different venues, in different groups, and working through words, and at times I've, I've wondered if the people in these meetings are thinking these exercises are crazy. We, we're talking about debating about single words, and what do words mean, and uh, at the end of the day, Jesus still reigns, uh, he's still, God is still sovereign, and Jesus wins, and it's like... Who cares at the end of the day? Uh, but words are important. Um, the great civil rights activist Cesar Chavez said, Our language is the reflection of ourselves. A language is the exact reflection of the character and growth of its speakers. So words have incredible power to let and to illustrate to other people who you are. Um, and so you want to be quite clear about your words. Um, this principle is also taught by Jesus. He said, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance, listen to what he says, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So inevitably, it doesn't mean all the time, but inevitably at some point, you're going to give yourself away with your words. We're going to figure out who each other is with our words. Maybe it's when you kick the corner of the couch. That's when we get to see the abundance of the heart. Uh, who knows when the moment is, but, but out of the abundance of our hearts, eventually our words tell us who we are. And who is King's Cross? Who is this body of believers that God has put together? What is in our hearts? Um, so not only is this taught in Scripture, but it's also modeled by God. God spoke everything into creation, not out of nothing as we often say, but out of Himself. Everything was spoken, out, not out of nothingness, but out of everythingness. Out of all that God is and was. God created all things out of who He was. That's why He looked at all things and said, It's good. How could God say it's good? Because it reflected something of God, and God is good. It was good because God was good. We were good because God was good. Our Creator was good. So out of His Word, God speaks all things, and all things are good because God in character and nature is good. So words expose who we are. That's why the sunset is glorious and beautiful. That's why green hills mesmerize us. That's why sitting around a fire, probably not in Perth when there's Snow and rain and fog. Just imagine it, though. <laughs> Capture something deep inside of our hearts. It's a beauty that's difficult to describe. It's huga. Right, Mona? Tuga. You can go look that up. Because its creator is good. So, not only do words expose who we are, linguists and scientists have also understood that language has the power to shape and influence who we become. And so uh, words exert this incredible, can exert this incredible influence on us. I, I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago in, in Blessing, we were saying, it's absolute rubbish, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never harm me. It's absolute rubbish, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can have an absolute influence on who you are, who you believe you are, how you behave. They uh, can exert influence on us. So the greatest form of influence, I think, that we see is, is, uh, of this is God's life over our death. How does, this, how does this connect to words? 
how does God's life over our death, how, how is that influence? I mean, that's a major influence. Life uh, speaking over death and causing dead things to be alive, you, you would agree that that's a fairly big influence, a, a quite a large transformation. John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in, with God, uh, sorry, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not, uh, was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is called the Word of God who created all things. And when Paul wants to stir the hearts uh, of Christians to see the salvation of the Israelites, he writes uh, in Romans, he writes, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's obviously a big transformation. How will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how, how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, listen to this, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. In other words, Paul talks about you need to long for the salvation of the Israelites. You need to long to see people's lives transformed from death to life. But it's only going to happen if someone uses words. The gospel, the words, the message of Jesus, the news of what He's done, the death of, his, of Jesus for our life and resurrection, uh, His resurrection so that we can be raised to life, needs to be spoken so it can have that influence on people's lives and it can deeply affect them. Take them from death to life. So the Bible teaches that God makes all things good through His Word and then by His Word He redeems all things and then all things are redeemed as they respond to the Word of God. And why do we know all of this? Where does He tell us? In His Word. We are a Word-based people. And so words become very important. And our words are very important. Alright, so the reason we've worked so hard on our words, there's one reason. It's discipleship. And let me see what discipleship is so you know because uh, that is a Christianese word. Discipleship is it's better, in our, in our culture, we would call it apprenticeship. You, you, walk, you go along with the master and you learn his trade. Disciples are people who walk with Jesus, they follow Jesus, they go wherever Jesus goes. That's number one. That's how you be, start being a disciple. Your life ends and your life is now about following Jesus. Number two, the goal of following Jesus is to become like Jesus. As you follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit works upon your heart and transforms your heart. You follow Him in community. You follow Him through His Word. You follow Him in prayer. You follow Him as the Holy Spirit leads you. And you become like Him. He shapes you. He affects your life. And you become like Jesus. And as you become like Jesus, the goal of all of that is to do the things Jesus does. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize people, make disciples. That's what Jesus does. That's what He's about. Redeeming people. Redeeming all things. Go and do it. How do we do it? Become like Him. How do you become like Him? Go be, spend time with Him. Follow Him. Walk with Him. Apprentice Him. That's what a disciple is. And so the goal of our words is to make disciples. People who follow Jesus, become like Jesus, and then do the things that Jesus does. And so better discipleship can occur when our message is clearly and consistently communicated. You could follow a great leader, but if you can't understand his message, you're going to struggle to become like him and do the things that he does. Right? You need some clarity of what are you on about. So language is very important. Understanding is very important. 
Um, and so the primary goal of working on all of this is to clarify and bring consistency for better discipleship so that we as a, as a body of believers can become more like Jesus so that we can love other people that Jesus loves better and that we can do the things in Perth that Jesus wants to do. Um, and so over the next four weeks, what I, we, we're going to look at today our heart. The next three weeks we, after that, we're going to look at our values, our three values. There's also these other categories which we'll mention of our behaviors, our voice, and our visual identity. We'll bring that up, and I think you're going to love it. We'll mention it. We're not going to go there a long time, but we'll mention and show you, and then it's going to seep through all the things that we do. But this week, we're just going to look a little bit deeper into our heart. So here's our heart. Our heart at the very core is who we are as a church. At, uh, in the Bible, when it talks about the heart, it's talking about the, the center of man, where, we, where our motives, our actions, our thoughts derive from. So whatever word you use to talk about the center of a, a person, what makes them them, their thoughts, their feelings, their deepest uh, identity, that's our heart. And our heart as a church is that what makes us us? Who are we deeply down inside? There are amazing churches in Perth. P Perth is blessed ridiculously with incredible churches. And they're different. They're slightly different. They're nuanced different. They're very different. And I think that's wonderful. And King's Cross is hopefully one of those amazing churches that hopefully has some unique uh, something to bring into the city of Perth, Hopefully as we all seek to glorify Jesus. And so our heart keeps us focused. It keeps us centered, keeps us alive. This is where we, we put our energy towards. And so our heart, is, uh, our heart is made up of three things, our purpose, our vision, and our mission. So let me tell you about our purpose. Our purpose answers this question, why do we, King's Cross, ultimately exist? This is almost like an existential question, right? It is an existential question. Why do we exist? I mean, what's the point? I don't know to what degree you as a member of King's Cross, and then to a less degree if you're visiting King's Cross. Maybe you do. Maybe you visit King's Cross and you leave going, why does that church exist? If you're a member of King's Cross, you may go, what's the point? Like, I don't know. I don't feel like going to church. I don't want to be part of a church. It's too much effort. But I can promise you this. Uh, at, at the points of the arrow, when you're leading the church, there's existential questions you ask yourself all the time. <laughs> Why do we exist? Oh, God, are we doing your will? What's the, uh, I, I guess you'll understand to the degree that you, you lead something in your life, whether it's a business or a relationship or raising children, you begin to ask existential questions. Why does King's Cross exist? And the answer to this is ultimately for us to see God worship by all people. And we've worked hard on these words, and these words sound very simple. And you might sit there and go, how come it spent you so many, took you so many hours to get down to that? And I can't really give you a good answer. But this is, our, our exist, this is why we exist, is to see God worship by all people. That's what we're going to see one day. This isn't kind of a, a flighty statement. It's not far-fetched. It's not even that distant. Our purpose revolves around the glory of God and the good of humanity. You know, what's the end of all man? What's the chief end of all mankind to glorify, glorify God and enjoy Him forever? 
Our purpose revolves around that, that we would glorify God and that we would do good to one another. It's not wishful thinking either. This is guaranteed ending of this era in history. This is how it's going to end. Even if it's not our purpose, that's where we're going to end, is seeing God worship by all people. So if that's what's going to happen, we might as well tie ourselves into it. The writer of Psalm 86 verse 9 says, All the nations that you have made shall come before you, O Lord, and they will glorify your name. John writes at the very end in Revelation, I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the sea, and all that is in them singing, to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be praised, honor, glory, and ruling power forever and ever. What an interesting thing for John to hear. What do the fish sound like when they praise God? What do the octopus sound like? As they pray, I heard all creatures in heaven, on earth, under the sea, praising their Creator, glorifying Him. King David wrote, One thing have I asked the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 27, verse 4. David the king, one thing I've asked the Lord. Here's my, why do you exist, David? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I hope the end goal is. I'll tell you what I hope the ending is. I hope that it's to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I hope that's my end goal. I hope that's where I get to. Whatever I do in my life, I hope that uh, the ultimate end of my existence is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, to understand all things as he understands them. That's where I'm going, that's where I'm heading. That's what I'm asking for. So we exist to see God worshipped by all people. Our vision, therefore, answers the question, what do we long to see in Perth? And the answer is that we long to see people, families, and the city of Perth deeply transformed forever through Jesus. We long to see people, families, and the city of Perth deeply transformed forever through Jesus. Can you see that day? Can you imagine it? Perth, deeply transformed through Jesus. Where there's a sense of Jesus' rule and reign governing over our city. Where the temperature of coffee conversations is a a heavenly temperature of mercy and grace. Not opinions about momentary pandemics, where the primary conversations revolve around the awe and wonder of our Creator, not the mystery of a bug, where people look at each other not in lust or in judgment, but in love and honor, when people reach out to each other not to use one another, but to see how they could bless one another. Can you imagine what our city will be like when there's an increased sense of the rule and reign of Jesus Christ where justice and mercy flow like rivers? And I'm not talking about just the saved, but the unsaved. Pray for your cities, Jeremiah 29. Pray for your city. 
because in its, what, is, what does God say? In its prosperity, you will prosper. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? And that's what we long to see. 3% of people in Perth go to church, go to any sort of church. And personally, I know not all of you agree, but personally, I, I, I include uh, Catholic churches and Christian churches. I think they're great. 3% of people go to church in Perth. That means 97% of people don't have a lifestyle that's shaped around their faith in Jesus. That's a large portion of the population. Forget what you think about the politics. 97% of people are living for something other than Jesus, regardless of their political persuasion. There is a lot of room for transformation. There is a lot of room for people to discover the awe and wonder of Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, their Creator God. So we long to see Jesus ruling and reigning over our city and to see our city transformed. And so our mission, therefore, how do we plan to get there? The answer is that we are building a community of people who put Jesus above all and others before themselves. This community has a name. Its name is King's Cross. I heard a funny story this week. I don't know why I've never heard it. And I just want to publicly apologize to all the ladies who ever went to some ladies' camp in Mandurah somewhere and stayed in a hotel because I heard this week, this happened years ago. I don't know why it's taken so long to get back to me. That on the door, it said like ladies of King's Cross or King's Cross ladies. And there were a lot of people poking their head in to see the ladies of the night gathering uh, in the Mandurah hotel, uh, thinking that there was some Sydney conference happening um, down in Mandurah. So I'm glad so many of you didn't get what was happening right away. Uh, you're a bit slow like I was. Um, but I apologize for that. There's something in our name that, uh, to, and, and I, can't even, I can't even say it was an accident. I remember when we named Josh and I were standing in a bookshop in Adelaide, and I said, what about King's Cross? And he said, yeah, that's a good, let, let's go with that. <laughs> and, um, and I remember why. Oh, I remember why, because you're standing in Kurong, uh, and there was Tim Keller's newest book was, on, was behind Josh's shoulder, and it was on Mark, the Gospel of Mark, and its name is? King's Cross, and it was like, that's amazing, that's, that captures the whole gospel in, in, well, it's two words, but we can just make it one word, because that's even more impressive, the king and his cross, the greatness and the humility, it's like everything in one, why don't we just put it together at King's Cross, and just like, yeah, that's a great, let's do that, so we did it, and then we were like, you know what else is great about it, Australian people will remember that name, they've heard it before, and English people will remember that name too, they've heard it before. Because uh, of the great station in London, I believe. So, we, so I apologize for the name. But that's who we are, and we're not changing it. We've had people ask us to separate the name. Make, you know, there's no word King's Cross. Look, I named my daughter Ella and spelt it with an E instead of an A at the end. You're allowed to play with names. Don't judge me, because then we'll start uh, digesting all of your names. And somewhere we're going to find some creativity that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Our name is King's Cross. And we are building a community of people who put Jesus above all and others before ourselves. It doesn't happen because we say it, but because we say it, hopefully it will have an influence on our behaviors and our character because this is what Jesus does. He put other people above himself. 
He went to the cross. He went as low as you can go. He went to death itself and put people above himself so we could have life through him, the king of all. When we humble ourselves, we're not going very low. We're going from about two feet up. The furthest I can go is on my knees, and it's not far away. The king of glory had to leave his throne in heaven to face death. That's a far greater distance. So when we say Jesus above all and others before me, all we're saying is asking us to put the most worthy being at the top and to imitate him by loving other people. It doesn't happen because we say it, but because we say it, it begins to happen. It begins to have some influence. I remember my, my son last year coming home one day and saying, hey, how was school? This week or this day, I can't remember. And he went, not that great. And I, I said, why? And I thought like math was going to suck or something like that. And he said, I'm not sure I did a great job this week of put, putting Jesus above all and others before myself. What's it trying to do? Well, it hasn't changed him, clearly, by his own account. But it's words that are starting to speak into his longings and desires and prayers. It's say, Holy Spirit, help me. I can't do this alone. Can you work upon my heart? Can you work upon my behaviors? Can you help me in this? So we're trying to, just to be very honest, gently tattoo uh, this on your conscience through repetition. That you don't, I don't know if you realize it or not, but every service for like the last year has ended with someone um, praying, as we, Lord, as we leave this place, help us to put Jesus above all and others before me. Whether you've noticed or not, most slides have had in the little corner a circle with Jesus above all and others. We've been trying to gently, unconsciously tattoo it on your heart and your mind so that whether at work or home, in your neighborhood, at your school, when something happens, there's something in your consciousness that goes, how do I put Jesus above all and others before me in this moment, in this situation? And then maybe you go, where does this come from? Why am I even thinking of and you never know. Well, now you do. It's out, the it's out the bag. Jesus above all and others before me. But why? What's the reason? Why do we want to put Jesus above all and others before me? And the, and the obvious reason is that Jesus is worth it. And, and another reason for those who are a little bit more in the know of what the Bible says is it, it's also obedience to what Jesus has asked us to do. So whether you lean more on the side of, well, Jesus is worthy, we should just do it because He's worthy. Or if you lean more on the side of being an obedient person, just go, well, I want to obey Jesus, and that's what He's told us to do, is to love other people. But that's not really the reason. I mean, those are good reasons. But the reason is that we long to see people, families, and the city deeply transformed through Jesus. And our lives play a role in that. How are we going to see people, families, and the city deeply transformed through Jesus? We're going to put Jesus above all and others before me. It's a starting point. It's where the rubber hits the road for us. So it's at the very heart of who King's Cross is. When Paul summarized the whole law, so the law in the Old Testament, there were the Ten Commandments, but they were extrapolated into something like, then there were like 600 main commandments, and then I think there were 2,000, and I forget the, the smaller numbers, commandments that they had grown to. And then Jesus came along, and he was asked in a test to summarize the law, and he said to us the famous, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, you will and, um, and love others as you do yourself. So there was this upward love God, Jesus above all, and this, this horizontal and love other people the way that you love yourself, which was very powerful to take 2,610 commandments and put them into two memorable statements. And the, and the, scri the, the scribe, the person testing Jesus was like, yeah, yeah you're spot on, you're right, you've, you've covered everything in, in two <laughs> sentences. Can't, can't really argue with that. Then Paul summarizes them further to the Galatians. And he summarized the law in one commandment. Everything is summarized. And what was it? Do you know? Say it. Someone's saying it. Oh, it's behind me. <laughs> this is an open book test. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. Why, when Paul had the chance to summarize it for the Galatians, why didn't, why didn't he summarize it, love God first and everything else will take care of it? I mean, don't you hear Josh and I, I feel like when we preach, we often say these things. Uh, sorry, let me not say Josh. I feel like at least I do. Say something like, man, if you just put God first, the rest of it will take care of itself. Can, can you imagine me saying something like that? Oh, I wish all of you didn't agree so quickly. But why didn't Paul do that? Look, and it's not wrong necessarily, just to defend myself, but why didn't Paul do that? Why don't you say the whole law is summed up in this? Love God, and, and when you do truly love God, the rest will take care of itself. Do you want to have a guess, or do you want me to tell you? Tell you? What did you guess? Pharisees? By loving others, you're expressing your love for God. Yeah. Loving God... It's too easy. It's not hard to say you love the most beautiful, perfect, magnificent, glorious, scary, wonderful, terrible, in the sense of if he's your enemy, you're in trouble, being. You'd be a fool not to love God. So bumper stickers don't say, I hate God but love the church. They do say, I love God, but don't love the church. I love Jesus, but don't love the church. I mean, I don't know, I don't know where I've seen these bumper stickers, but certainly in the States. I don't know if it's as clear over here. But for that reason, along the lines of what Anne said, because this gets practical. This is the rubber hits the road. The way that you see the love of God is through your love of people. You, you, God loves people. God wants to redeem people, and as we get engaged with that work, we learn the love of God, and we learn to love God. I remember looking at Ezekiel when he first came out of Nass. They gave him to me. Nass was getting taken care of. It was quite a brutal labor, so they said, here, take this child. Or actually, he was in a cot, and Nass, Nass was like, please go look after Zeke. And I was like, it's okay. I'll be here. He's fine. And she's like, no, no, please go be with him. And so I walked, it was, you know, she was here, he was there, and I just turned. And I remember looking at this thing and going, I feel nothing. You've hurt the person I love. I've made you, and I feel nothing for you. And going, what am I going to do with that? But obeying Nas, because in a, in a birthing suite, you, there is, I'll tell you who's the boss. <laughs> This hasn't always been clear to Josh. You can ask him about that. 
but for all those who are going to have children in the future, the person who is delivering a person through their body is the boss in the room. And I obeyed my boss, and I turned around, and I loved on Ezekiel, but there wasn't love in me. And as I loved on him in obedience to my wife, the love of God began to come into my heart for him. The love of a father and the love of the mother through the hands of a father all began to come into my heart and totally transform my life forever. And this little thing that's messing on himself, crying like a baby, useless, had a radical and transformative effect on my whole being, my psychology, my emotions, my priorities. He's affected my budget like no other human being except maybe Nasia. It's been radical. And all of that has been for the better, made me understand and love God more. Turn me into a better disciple of Jesus. My point is this. As, as if we obey Paul, love your neighbor as yourself, or love your neighbor, as we go out and love the useless people. I'm just, I'm just trying to mirror it with the baby. In other words, I'm trying to say, they don't have to do anything. They don't have to deserve the love. They don't have to earn the love. They can be smelly. They can be... Uh, ungiving back. They can be mean. They can be angry. They can be ungrateful. It does not matter. My baby was just like that. Insensitive. Give your mom a break. No thanks. I want some milk. <laughs> they can be just like that. And, and this is what happens. As we love them with the love of God, something of the love of God pours into our hearts. We see them as He sees them. We see the privilege of loving them. And we are transformed to be like Jesus. If you want to be like Jesus, love the people God loves. That's what Paul's getting at. Sacrifice. Serve. There's no way to understand the deep and profound love of God without sacrificing and serving. If you go, any of you who, talk, who think Enneagram, you go, well, I'm not a number two. My number doesn't really do service and sacrifice very well. <laughs> well, if you want to know the love of God deeply, partly it's discovered through sacrifice and service. If you are independent, you are the, you are the problem between you and understanding deeply the love of God. If you're self-centered, and, and I mean this on a, because I'm, I'm there. I'm independent. I'm self-centered. I don't sacrifice. I don't serve on a spectrum. But as we lean in with love towards others, we understand something profound of the love of God to us. Let me draw it to a close. So this is how the Word of God is fulfilled. It transforms our lives to join in what God is doing through His Word in the world. The Word of God spoke all things into being. The Word of God entered the world and became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The Word of God went to the cross and died in our place and was raised to life so that the Word of God could be spoken, the news could be brought of salvation and redemption 
And as we join in that and take the Word of God into all the nations of the world, including Perth, you don't have to go anywhere else. You can be a missionary right here. We take the Word of God, His message of Jesus Christ, into our city for its transformation. And then one day the Word is going to return. And all people are going to join to worship God together. So we exist to see all people worship God. We long to see individuals, families, and the city of Perth transformed through Jesus. We aim for this by building a community of people who put Jesus above all and others before ourselves. These are our words. May they expose who we are. And may they have influence on us to disciple, to make disciples of Jesus in Perth until we see God worshipped by all people. Amen. Josh, why don't you lead us in communion?